0: There's still a lot of great work in this area being done, you know, papers coming out all the time in idiopathic generalized epilepsy, which I think is just an area that we need a lot more research in because people have fewer treatment options.
1: Fellow homo sapiens. Today, we are hearing from the award-winning epileptologist Brad Kamitaki of Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School in the US, who tells us about his study into and the needs of people affected by one of the complex idiopathic generalized epilepsies, plus his thoughts on honesty and clarity with both people with an epilepsy and any caregivers.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Brad Kamitaki. I'm an epileptologist at Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School. Basically, I enjoy doing research on epilepsy disparities, teaching medical students, residents, and of course, um, taking care of people with epilepsy. Happy to be here.
1: Fabulous. So what led you down to the the long winding, what seems like almost never ending road of the epilepsies?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think I'm someone that generally likes a lot of different things. So when I started neurology residency, for example, a lot of different things drew me in like sh- stroke at the beginning. Um, but then I had a mentor uh, at Columbia where I did residency. Her name's Hyunmi Choi. Uh, she's an epileptologist, researcher. And I just saw that the things that she was able to do with her patients, you know, really take care of them with whatever options they had available, including medications, epilepsy surgery, and also the, I saw the, you know, long lasting relationships they can form with patients as you follow them over time. So that. That's what really drew me in to start with. And then, you know, fortunately, I ended up liking it a lot, just like the epilepsy community in general, um, patients, family members. um, So it's something I have a great deal of passion for, I would say.
1: And I guess he's talking about like long term relationships with patients. I assume that you're an adult epilepsologist.
0: Yes, yes. I see mostly adult patients. Yeah.
1: And I also like that you mention um, family members because they can play such a key part in the lives and sometimes care of people with the epilepsy.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, for, for people, for patients where they can't advocate for themselves, definitely it's helpful to have. I mean, really critical, I think, to have family support or caregiver support. I was talking to you earlier about the survey project that I'm doing where we ask patients, not only patients, but also family members, caregivers, relatives, loved ones, about ways that we can improve epilepsy care, um, specifically in New Jersey. But I think getting that perspective is really important as well.
1: Mm, Because I think often, uh, depending obviously upon the situation, the person with the epilepsy and family members, sometimes the the carers can answer questions that sometimes we can't.
0: Yeah. And and often, I mean, you know, if, if the person with epilepsy doesn't even realize, might not realize they're having a seizure, it impacts loved ones a lot more. Just seeing their, um, just seeing the, the person go through seizures and like the struggles with that could be very obviously you know it's it's a shared responsibility.
1: Yeah, and you say seizures, but also I think mental health, um, any sort of movement disorders that might come with it, things like that too.
0: Yes. Yes, everything, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that I got in touch with you um, relatively recently was uh, um, regarding your paper, which got an um, uh, International League Against Epilepsy Award um, because it was that fabulous. So everyone knows the title is a bit of a thesis itself, but it's clinical <laughs> and EEG factors associated with anti medication resistance and idiopathic generalized epilepsy. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit about your paper, please? What led you to it, um, Brad?
0: Uh, I mentioned Hyunmi Choi, my mentor. So this is a project that, she really conceived and had the idea for when I was in fellowship and so I worked on it beginning from then and then into my time at Rutgers but basically what we're you know there's been a lot of really great work already done on factors that we see associated with people with IgE or idiopathic generalized epilepsy that tend to develop drug resistance meaning they keep having seizures despite multiple medications and So a lot of really good work is, like I said, has already been done in that. Um, and one thing that Ken, um, me, and other investigators at Columbia Yale had also found was another factor associated with drug resistance was um, what we call catamenial seizures, or um, for people that have menstrual cycles, seizures that worsen in relation to their menstrual cycle. And what we tried to do with our current, with this paper, was to just bring a large group of patients. Um, not only from one center but from multiple different centers and actually we got patients also um, data from from Australia as well so from two different countries the US and Australia and looking at multiple different factors both clinical and EEG that might be associated with drug resistance Um, so we're able to look at you know pretty large number of patients um, diverse patients from different countries to to just answer that question a little bit better.
1: What was the process like, and and how, and what were the outcomes really? What did you discover?
0: Yeah, so this was a case control study. So we brought we just identified a large number of cases, people that had drug resistant IgE, and then controls that were responsive to medications. And um, so yeah, it took a little bit of 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 work, kind of uh, getting getting the data. But basically, each investigator at their institutions, So Cornell University, Columbia University, Rutgers, where I'm at in the US, and then Monash University, Royal Melbourne Hospital in Australia. Um, we all um, identified those each uh, cases and controls, went through their EEGs, uh, looked at them again to count the number of, of, of spikes or discharges, look at other abnormalities on the EEG, and then we looked through the chart got all that data. And then once each, um, center got their data, we combined them all together and, you know, did statistics to look at those factors that were associated with drug resistance. So that was the process. It did take a little while, but you know, um, so after we did the analysis, then we, then we looked at the both clinical and EEG factors and what we found were, I mean, it was, in line with what other, I mentioned other people had looked at this before, but the catamenial seizures, we confirmed that that was that, that did seem to be associated with people with uh, drug resistance, um, as well as you know if people had multiple seizure types. So in idiopathic generalized epilepsy, there can be people can have absence seizures, myoclonic seizures, or um, you know jerking, and then generalized chronic clonic seizures. So people that had all three of those seizure types as well as people that had both absence um, seizures and generalized chronic chronic absence, as you probably know are the ones where people might stare um, blankly, you know, for, for a time. So people with those seizure types um, also seem to seem to have drug resistance. And then from the EEG side, the more discharges that they had specifically in sleep. So, you know, when they're sleeping, if a lot, if they had a lot of discharges or if they had an EEG finding that's kind of been newly described, called generalized poly stri- polyspike train or GPT. Um, when we saw that on the EEG, that was also seen with drug resistance. Um, so you know, the I think the um, the way that our paper added on to what previous people had already done was that we looked at multiple different factors, not just one. You know, but to see the independent con- contribution of all of those factors. Um, so. Each of those were independently associated with, um, you know, drug-resistant or medically refractory seizures, and then also to look at not just one center but multiple different centers from two different countries. I think was another strength of our of our paper and our analysis. So. Um, that's kind of what we contributed I guess I would say.
1: (laughs) Wonderful and so I'm not sure it was necessarily expected that you would um, win the award what was the feedback you got on this paper?
0: Yeah I you know when it came out I I mean just like getting a paper published first of all is an honour and it was my first paper in Epilepsia, which you know is the premier epilepsy journal so just from the beginning I was already really happy about that. Uh, When it came out I mean I don't know. <laughs> a lot of my friends, you know, other, other centers, um, you know, that I trained with or I've worked with before, um, even just texted me to say that they're, for example, doing our paper and journal club, which, ah. you know, that was just great. You know, that's the first thing anyone that does a paper wants to hear that people are actually reading
1: it. You know? well, yeah. <laughs> there was purpose in it, you know, yeah.
0: and we're not just like throwing it out into the void, you know? Um, so that was, that was definitely some of the early feedback that I got, definitely the prize itself was unexpected. Um, you know, the, the the prizes for young investigators. So <laughs> I guess like that's something that I, I'm still a bit young. So, <laughs> so that was, um, I think that helped. And then, um, yeah. And then just to, to, you know, have the opportunity to present more of my work, you know, I've done, I've been able to present an AAN, AES conference on, on what we did. And then now for the ILEE um, Congress, um, you know, this fall. So I'm really excited just to like get, talk to people, get, you know, pe- more people knowing about what we did um, and hopefully encourage, you know, there's still a lot of great work in this area being done, you know, papers coming out all the time in idiopathic generalized epilepsy, which I think is just an area that we need a lot more research in because people have fewer treatment options, you know, compared to focal epilepsy, really much, you know, fewer medications. We can't use all the same medications for them. They don't have good surgical options right now, though. People are studying neuromodulation, deep brain stimulation right now, but it's not currently it's not currently the standard of care for um, for people with with IGE. So, you know, getting us more um, treatment options would be great as well.
1: And I suppose all this work, um, well, your your paper and the, but the work that you're doing. Um, one hopes that it can help educate um, other clinicians, other neurologists and epilepsy nurses to know how to, um, what to communicate to um, patients and how to ha- help them to maybe plan their lives a bit, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think with with non, non-epileptologists, you know, neurologists, primary care doctors, I think, I mean, this has been talked about, I'm sure a lot, but we often notice that sometimes people might Um, accept a certain number of seizures, you know, where for us, our goal is always seizure freedom to prevent SUDEP, any complications to allow people to drive if they can, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think just like hopefully getting it out there that drug resistance is a problem and one that that we need to work on, you know, even among non-epileptologists for them to know that, you know, hey, refer this person to to an epilepsy center because they're still having seizures, there's things that maybe we can do for them. Is one, one big, you know, important thing that I hope will continue to, to get out there. And then secondly, you know, helping clinicians understand what tests might be helpful to figure out if people are gonna develop drug resistance. For example, I mentioned that more discharges in sleep was a useful marker. So doing an ambulatory EEG or a long-term EEG rather than just a routine, a short EEG that we might often do for people with IgE rather than the longer study might give us more important in- prognostic information.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, considering, um, considering longer EEG tests, asking people in detail about their seizure types, asking people that you know that menstruate do they get worse around your menstrual cycle just like trying to refine the questions and think the the um information that we get from people so that we can give them more useful you know better information more useful information out I think um that's what I was hoping to accomplish with the with the study
1: well if anybody would like access to this um paper it's out there um the link is on the website um and, yeah, just uh, the more um, educated we become, I think, on each individual person with an epilepsy, the more, uh, hopefully, the best, the better decisions can be made. And honesty with, with the person with the epilepsy and the family can help them make more long-term, you know, plans, decisions. Exactly. And, you know, I, th- I mean, I just personally think it can be good to not to hide What might be scary things from the person or family?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know how it is right now. If I see a person and I diagnose them with, for example, juvenile myoclonic epilepsy, a young person often, you know, in the clinic, often it's, okay, we're starting you on this medication. We don't exactly know how you'll do. There's a good chance you might do well. 85% of people do really well with with this type of epilepsy, but 15% don't. I wish we could, you know, I can't tell you exactly right now how you'll do, but so that's, you know, a common scenario in the clinic that we have. You might do well, you'll probably do well, but we don't really know. So I think, you know, our paper hopefully and future work, other, and you know, researchers will hopefully bridge that gap so that maybe if we do longer EEG, get them more information, ask them these questions. Um, can we build even a model, you know, so that we can predict the risk that they'll develop drug resistance. I mean, I think, you know, I I could see that that could be disconcerting to know, you know, I have a high chance of that, but at least you know, right, which is better than not knowing, I think, Um, you know, people do, I think, want to know more, uh, as best as we can give them uh, that information. So um, hopefully, in the future, we'll be able to give people those numbers early on so that we know, We need to watch you more closely we need to you know maybe think about different medication changes if it's something's not working for you maybe i need to see you sooner than six months or a year maybe i need to see you in a couple months kind of thing you know those things i think are really critical um, and could help with epilepsy care right now, especially for, um, for people with IgE.
1: Thank you very much to Brad for sharing with us his paper, his results, and his passion for improving the lives of people affected by the epilepsies, especially in this case, the IgEs. If you'd like to learn more about the idiopathic generalized epilepsies, and indeed Brad's paper, do check out the links on the website, com or go via epilepsysparks.com and click on the podcast tab.